You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 152. The title of today's show is Three Keys to Unlocking the Scriptures. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, New Testament Snapshots. You know, if you're ever looking through your pictures, and of course most of us uh, have them stored on our electronic devices now, on your phone or your tablet, but you know, sometimes... If you're like me, you may look back from you know pictures from a year, even a few years ago, and you look through, and those pictures bring back, those snapshots bring back memories and emotions, because every story is a story is contained in that picture. Every picture tells us a story. It might be a story of a vacation, the birth of a loved one, or you know just spending time with friends. But in the New Testament. We also find some snapshots of people that we we may not know that well. You know, of course, we know all the the big name people in the New Testament: Jesus and Peter and Paul, and you know, so many of the other you know well known people. But there are a lot of other individuals in the New Testament that we have snapshots of, but do we really know that much about them? And so, New Testament snapshots is is a look at 12 of the lesser-known people in the New Testament, and we look at what the Bible does say about them, but we also look at some uh, church tradition, what some of the church fathers said, and, and other evidence to, to, to build a snapshot of this person. It's a fascinating study. I know you'll love it. Um, it's perfect for both individual and for small group study. So New Testament snapshots, there's a link in the show notes. Click on it and have a look. Well, today we're looking at three keys to unlocking the Bible. Three keys to helping us understand the Scriptures a little bit better. And this this show comes out actually of um, kind of where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm as, as we record this episode, I'm in the middle of teaching two different studies um, in, in different areas of our church. I'm doing a study on the life of Jesus. Um, I'm conducting that. That's a six-week study. I'm also conducting a 12-week study on the Acts of the Apostles, and these are kind of running concurrently. And, you know, it's just been driven home to me, and what I've been trying to drive home to those that I'm teaching is the importance of stepping back um, for what we think we know of the Bible, from what we think we know of the Scriptures, and really uh, maybe looking at the Scriptures and approaching the Bible with fresh eyes. And, and these three areas that I'm going to talk to you about will help us to do that. The first one is this, and, and, and I'll go ahead and give you all three and then we'll, we'll break them down. It's author, who wrote the book, audience, who's he writing to, and then the text, the actual text itself. Now, 
knowing who wrote a particular book in the Bible is very important. We see this very, very clearly when we're dealing with the Gospels. You know, each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are written by a different person to a different group of Christians, or even to different churches, if you will. Imagine Matthew being written to one church, Mark to another, Luke and John both being written to other churches or other groups of Christians. And knowing who the author is actually really helps us to understand his particular writing much more. Um, I don't know if you do this, but I even today when I read a book, um, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, I want to know what the author looks like. I'll usually look online and, and or, or look on the back of the book and just see what does this person look like. Um, sometimes I'll even go on YouTube and find a, a video of them talking because I want to hear their voice as they're narrating the book. And, and you may not do that, but, but so many of us want to have a picture of the author. And of course, you know, we don't have actual pictures, although in some cases we do have some artist renditions from the first century and second century of, you know, some of these guys. But, you know, knowing something about the author, who were they? Where did they come from? What was their level of education? What was their cultural background? Um, a really nice uh, example by, by way of contrast is when you compare uh, the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Luke. Um, Luke, we know him as a physician, we know him as a companion, a traveling companion of Paul, as a pastor, but he's clearly one of the most educated men in the New Testament, and we know that because of his language. His, his, his vocabulary is large. He's got the largest vocabulary of anybody else in the New Testament. He's, he's very well educated. He obviously knows medicine because of, of, of the way he writes about medical issues. And so his gospel is just beautiful. Even the English translations, it's beautiful prose. And uh, it, it's a very beautiful writing. But then we go to Mark. And Mark's an awesome writing, but it's very different because Mark, Greek is evidently not his first language. He struggled with Greek. His vocabulary is probably the smallest of any writer in the New Testament. And yet he still gives us this incredibly powerful gospel that both Matthew and Luke drew from. So obviously there's, you know, Aramaic was probably his first language and then and then he learned Greek and was able to write in it. So you know, he was, you know, clearly bilingual, but um, you know, not the same level of education that you get from from Luke, but yet both men are able to communicate with their audiences very clearly. So knowing who the author is, you know, when we read Paul's letters, understanding something about the Apostle Paul, his background, his motivation, his education, the, the things that influenced him. You know, Paul was raised in a very Hellenistic society. Uh, he, he was a Jewish, Jewish fellow. I mean, he comes from a Jewish family, was a Pharisee. Um, so obviously very, uh, very much... Uh, integrated into Jewish society, but he was raised in Tarsus of Cilicia, which was a very Hellenistic, very Greek city. So he was influenced by the the the, the culture around him as well, and so that comes out in in Luke's description of him in Acts, and also in his own letters. So so understanding who the author is is going to give us a lot of insight into the particular writing, and then audience. Author and then audience. Who is this particular book being written to? 
And Paul's letters are great examples for us to consider because, you know, each of Paul's churches, and, you know, he probably planted, we can, we can kind of put our, our heads around probably about a dozen churches that the Apostle Paul planted, but it could have been more than that. But this, was, this man was a consummate church planter, an apostle, a pastor, but each church was different. So the letters that he writes, he's writing to specific situations in specific churches. That's why it's so good to know a bit about the audience. You know, when you look at the things they were dealing with in Corinth, when Paul wrote the, the two letters that we have to, to, to Corinth, you know, it's no surprise the things that he wrote about. One of the things that, that Paul dealt with in the letter to, to the Corinthians, among other things, was some moral issues. He really delved into some very serious moral questions and encouraged the Christians to work through those things and to walk in holiness and in purity. But, you know, it, it, it's easy to just kind of think, well, you know, that would be a, a normal thing. And in many ways it was for Greek society because there were some serious moral issues for Christians to have to think about and consider. But Corinth was known as the worst of the worst, if you will. I mean, it was a seaport. It was known for its vice. It was known for the number of, uh, of prostitutes that were involved in, in, in some of the, the Greek religions. It was known for you know, its drunkenness and its carousing. And so there's no, no surprise that Paul has to actually spend quite a bit of time dealing with these kinds of questions and issues for the Christians that he's writing to. And Thessalonians, Paul sp spends time in both letters dealing with the, the issue of the return of Jesus. This was something these early Christians were concerned about. And so Paul goes into some depth in dealing with that. Um, when we're talking about the audience, it comes into play when we're looking in the Gospels. When you look at Matthew, it's very, very clearly uh, written to a Jewish audience, convincing, uh, attempting to convince people that Jesus was the Messiah. At the same time, Luke could have cared less about that. He's writing to a sophisticated Greek audience who was much more concerned with the, the, the teaching of Jesus, his philosophy, if you will, because that would have been something that the Greeks would have been concerned about. So when you understand that and you read through uh, the particular writing, knowing who he was writing to will help us get so much more out of it. And, you know, I tell my students all the time, I say, listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but the Bible was not written to you first. It was written to people thousands of years ago, and we will get the most out of it when we understand what they heard first. Yes, God will speak to us, but we we do the the scriptures a disservice when we just think that it's it's just for me. It's much better when we understand it was written to them first and we draw applications from it when we prayerfully meditate and read and study the scriptures. So those are two, author and audience, and then the text itself. What does the text have to say to me? And when we're exploring the text, you know, sometimes as Christians, we, we get into the habit of just reading those passages of scripture over and over again that that mean the most to us. And that's great. Look, we all have those passages of Scripture that we go back to. I do. I go back and, you know, there's certain things that I meditate on. But it's also important that we read the text in its entirety. And I'm talking primarily in the, the sense of the, the New Testament, but the Old Testament comes into play as well. Reading and understanding the text in its entirety. 
having a good translation. Uh, I'm currently using the uh, ESV, the English Standard Translation. Before that, I was in using the NLT for a few years, the New Living Translation. Before that, I was in the NIV, the New International Version. And before that, I was in the New American Standard. So I love different translations. I compare translations, but find a good one, stick with it, and read the Scriptures in their totality. I encourage reading through the New Testament. I mean, you know, you can... You can basically, if you only read a chapter or two a day, you can read through the New Testament twice in a year. And getting it inside of you is going to have such a a powerful impact on your life. And, you know, when we read the Scriptures, sometimes we focus on the text that's in front of us. We just focus on just this this one passage that we're reading. But, you know, very often the, the writers are are setting up what we're reading now by what came before and what comes after. So often we miss so much of what God wants to say to us because we don't bother to read what came before or what's coming after the text that we're reading. So read more than just the few verses that your devotional tells you to read. You know, get into the habit of reading chapters and books of the Bible. Um, you know, work through the New Testament. Read through the read through you know um, chronologically, read through it linearly, just like it's written from Matthew to Revelation. However you want to do it, it doesn't matter. But get into the habit of reading it through. Read blocks of text. Now, look, there are times when I'm reading the Bible, and you know one or two or three verses will really jump out at me, and I'm going to stop and I'm going to meditate and I'm going to spend time there. But most of the time. I'm working through, I'm reading, and it's not a task. I do it because I love it, but I'm reading through a particular book. I'm reading through a particular passage of Scripture. And so, um, and a lot of times what I'll do is if something really jumps out at me, I'll mark it, finish the chapter that I'm reading, and then come back to it. And, you know, you may not, that may not be the way your mind works, but get into the habit of reading bigger sections of Scripture. Um, yes, there's a time to stop and meditate. Yes, there's a time to digest. Yes, there's a time to dig in and do further study. But I promise you, by by reading, if, if you got into the habit of reading the New Testament through twice a year, it changed your life. You know, we often you know hear people talk about reading the whole Bible through in a year, and very few people actually follow through through on that and do it. But, you know, we could all read through the New Testament twice a year. Just read a chapter or two a day. Boom, you've done it. It's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So, just a quick recap. Three simple keys to unlocking the Bible. Author, audience, and text. Now, where do you dig into finding out more about the author? How do you find out more about the audience? You know, look, the Internet is a wonderful, wonderful tool for finding out answers to these questions. And I encourage you... To, to get into the habit of using some good Bible study uh, materials that you can find on the internet. Excuse me. Also reading the uh, you know commentaries that go along with particular books. I love commentaries. I love Bible study books. But there is material available that will help you answer the question if you're willing to dig in and find it. Um, I'll actually include in the show notes a couple of uh, links to some of the materials that I use from online. Uh, of course, I love my, 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 my own personal library with commentaries and Bible handbooks. But 
There is so much great material online that you should have no trouble whatsoever answering these questions. Author, audience, and text. Well, I hope this has helped you, and I would love to hear back from you. What has your experience been in studying and reading the Bible? Um, Are you somebody who works through the Bible uh, chronologically? Are you somebody who likes to read it through in a year? Or are you somebody that likes to kind of pick and choose and jump around? I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a comment or question in the comments section for today's post. And while you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter. I publish three posts a week. This podcast is one of them. And I would love to be able to send it straight into your inbox so that you don't miss a single issue. Subscribers also get my free subscribers-only newsletter that I send out once a month with uh, extra leadership tips and uh, also some updates on what uh, Annie and I are doing in, in in our missions work and also new projects that I'm involved in. And I'd love to stay in touch with you. Well, friends... Thanks for being with me today on Leading and Learning. Keep studying the Scriptures. It'll change your life. We'll see you next time.